Falsha, 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 Akhardjikil. This is episode 77 of the Rebel Matters podcast and I recorded this episode up in Mahan Falls in the Comoros Mountains. I was down there last week doing an interview with Dahi O'Shea in the Nematon TV studios in Anrine, which is the Gaeltacht area in Waterford and I took myself off up to Mahan Falls afterwards to do a wee bit of camping. I actually had intended to put this episode out last week, but I didn't get a wink of sleep the night that I was up camping because of something that happened uh, during the night, which you'll hear about when we get stuck into the episode here. When I was recording the wee bits and pieces of this episode, I was thinking about how I was feeling after doing the interview and how we can kind of become attached to certain stories that can end up forming part of our identity and how much or how little we need to hold on to those stories and then ended up because of the thing that happened in the middle of the night ended up having a chat about antisocial behavior and in particular car theft in Belfast in the late 90s and early 2000s and how it actually suited the security forces and the British Army to have people in nationalist areas areas in Belfast stealing cars on the regular. This episode recorded in pieces. I started recording it just as it was getting dark and did other bits and pieces at various stages through the night and the next morning as well. So it's just good to be aware of that, that it was recorded not straight from start to finish, if you know what I mean. And I've kind of put a wee bit of a break in the sound in between each clip, just so you know that the next clip was a wee bit later on. At the very end of the episode, after the outro music, instead of reading a chapter of Charles McGlinchey's The Last of the Name, which is the book that we've been reading together recently, I've got a couple of minutes of a recording of a stream that was running through the valley at the Mahan Falls site. And do yourself a favour and keep your headphones in after the outro music and sit down, close your eyes and listen to the sound of the stream and take a few nice big deep breaths before you get back to whatever it is you have on for the rest of the day. So hope you enjoy the wee chat and hope you pick up on some of the nature sounds that are going on in the background as well. I would highly recommend going up to Mahan Falls someday for a visit and even a bit of camping. So, Bonnegi sold us. I'm sitting here beside my tent at Mahan Falls, which is in the Comra Mountains. Just uh, drinking a wee bit of red wine out of the bottle and 
the last of the light is just disappearing kind of settling in for the night so just said to myself might as well try and do a wee podcast <laughs> considering that the last time that I was in the Cumber Mountains I did a podcast as well walking up and the, to the Confucian Lake which I know that Mark Graham listened to and uh, he's from around that part of the world um, so here's another one from a different part of the Cumberland Mountains the reason I'm up here tonight actually is because uh, I was doing this uh, interview with Dahi O'Shea for TG Car for a show called Shala Dahi it's like a 25 minute interview just going to sit down and talk about general stuff but that was in Rin in Waterford in Gieltag in Waterford I haven't been there in so long even though like it's only about an hour's drive from Cork but uh, the last time that I was there was whenever it was about eight or nine or something we were doing a play I think actually that we, we were doing uh, Waiting for Gatto in Irish and I think we did it there but definitely there was a reason why we were, there, we were there with the play anyway if not that play could have been a different one but it was class to be back there anyway. Um, that's where the Nematon Studios are. And just kind of came away from it today and says to myself, I'll drive up here and camp and uh, spend the night. But I was thinking, those things are mad. Like, it's like 20 minutes or something or 25 minutes. And I came away from it thinking, first of all, why would they be interested in doing it with me in the first place? And second of all, um, did I make an easy out of myself? <laughs> did I like say whatever, say the right things or say the things that I wanted to, to, the message to convey? You know, they sometimes like you want to articulate a point, but then it comes out maybe not not a hundred percent the way that you had it in your head. I suppose that's kind of the art of communication, really, isn't it? When when you have a, a clear thought in your head and you can get it to come out through one form or another as an articulate message to the outside world. I suppose that's kind of like, that's kind of what art is in many ways, I suppose, when you think about it. It's like people's inner creativity communicating with the world outside and then people resonate with it or they don't but um, I suppose if it's kind of a true reflection of what's happening on the inside then happy days as long as you're not harming anyone <laughs> that is we sip a wine there lads I was sitting up here earlier and it was about to start to get dark and I was thinking to myself I fucking left my hat in the car it's miles away and I was just about to open the bottle of red wine that I have now I've only had a couple of sips out of it so far but um, I was literally sitting there about to open it and I said to myself it's going to be Baltic here in about an hour so you may get something to put on your head and 
the only other thing that I had that I could put on my head at the time was my brand new Lankin t-shirt. And I had my pen knife and I was sitting thinking, you're going to have to cut that t-shirt. It's like one of my favourite t-shirts. It's probably my favourite t-shirt right now, actually. I sure I was wearing it today, underneath my jumper, going on the TV. And it's a really nice t-shirt. I was thinking, mate, you're going to have to cut that t-shirt and turn it into a hat because it's going to be fucking freezing here in a while. And um, I was like, no, do you know what? I'm going back to the car to get it. My hat, that is. And um, I'm wearing the Lancome t-shirt right now as a t-shirt. So I'm glad they didn't have to chop it up and turn it into a hat. But it turns out the fucking hat wasn't even in the car. It took me ages to go down there. Like I ran down. Literally, it was probably a 45 minute round trip and it turns out it wasn't there but I've got my kefia the Palestinian scarf and it's sitting right beside me for whenever it gets cold later on so always not lost but just remember always bring a hat out with you especially if you want to sleep outside that's like the last thing that our granny used to say if she still says it when you're leaving the house have you not got a hat on your head? Like even if it was wasn't that cold when you were leaving, she'd be like, "You should always have a hat on your head." Turns out she was right. Do you know what else? What, I, what else I was thinking while I was up here? Um, is sheep like do sheep go to sleep at night time? And do they all go to sleep at the same time? Because up here earlier was mental with the sounds of the sheep that were going for it. <laughs> and uh, I was just thinking, is that going to be happening all night or are they going to go to sleep like at some stage? And turns out that, um, well, they must be going to sleep because you can't hear them now. Um, the other thing that I was thinking about sheep was like, how do you get them to come back to the farm? They're all branded and all with the red and blue uh, paint on their sides and stuff. But like some of those sheep are right up there, miles away, up on top of the side of a mountain. Not even on top of it, on the side. How do you get them to come back to the farm at some stage? Like Anyway, if anybody knows the answer, actually, give us a shout. We'll know the answer to the first one. They must be sleeping somewhere around these parts but I'm not sure what the crack is with uh, getting them back to the, I suppose like sheepdog that's what sheepdog's for I suppose isn't it kind of in a way anyway I was just sitting there thinking earlier about the interview that I did as I was saying with the Hoshe in the Nemeton Studios in, and Ryan and uh, I was thinking it's like 25 minutes and you're trying to articulate yourself and it's for TV so it kind of conforms to a certain format or whatever so I wasn't even thinking about it in those lines but what I was thinking was about the stories that we tell ourselves are the stories that we have as part of our lives that kind of form the narrative that goes along with us as people 
and it's, I just kind of came away from thinking it's good not to be bound by those things because you can let them go at any time when I was driving up here I was just thinking at, at best they're pointers in the right direction like for where you want to be for the present moment but then the other side of it is that can really kind of put you into a negative frame of mind if you're too attached to them. And I suppose that was just kind of highlighted a wee bit by the fact that being in that situation where it's 25 minutes and uh, trying to get the job done, you know, and it was actually class talking to Dahi and... I feel like with the podcast and stuff is the the episodes that get the best feedback most of the time are the ones that people feel that there's a connection between me and the, per- the other person on the podcast and that was what it was like when doing the interview with that earlier we were just kind of it was like felt like we were just um, sitting there having a chat and it was being recorded and really good but then just when you're in that frame of mind then you just don't know what you're saying <laughs> half the time so I mean I didn't say anything too ridiculous but um can't even remember what I said now I actually think about it so we'll find out because it's going to be on TV then we'll know I can kind of hear the sheep noises are actually still going I've got headphones in at the minute maybe that's why I wasn't able to hear them earlier but they're definitely still happening um, if you can hear them and hopefully the wind isn't interrupting too much either but the last time that I was here was actually the very first time that I was using this little furry microphone cover thing that I got the reason that I got it was because when we were when I, the first time that I was out in Palestine or the second time sorry I was going around recording stuff and I didn't have it and flipping wind was destroying all the recording so I got it and uh, it's like you remember the wee trolls like it's like a wee troll the troll dolls used to be on the go during the 90s whatever like one of those sitting on top of the zoom anyway I might come back and do a wee bit more record later on <laughs> what's well, crack lads it's me again the stars are just all starting to appear right here which is class but um do you want to hear something funny see that car that I had that I rented I think someone's out there stealing it because <laughs> so I can, the car park is like it's within eye shot of where I'm camping but as I was saying earlier when I was going down to get my hat it's a bit of a trek it took me well I legged it down earlier to, to get my hat and um, I think it took me about something like 40 minutes or something to get over and back but I was sitting here being all peaceful and stuff earlier on just 15 minutes ago or something not a sound in sight except for like the waterfall and uh, the odd sheep um, not that many of them as we've already established that they've mostly gone to bed um, but then I just I was literally sitting there thinking it's class not to be in a place where you can hear 
any kind of like human stuff, like man-made sounds or whatever. And the next thing I just heard it. A car getting the absolute shit rolled out of it. And then um, two cars. I was just sitting looking across. It was in the car park. And I was like, at their see that car that's doing those donuts I was like they're doing it right where my car was parked I'm like that car is going to get smashed to pieces if they don't be careful and then I was sitting there thinking hang on a second it fucking probably is that car so um, if it is fair play to them I just got my set of keys in there and like a new pair of shoes though that I was wearing earlier um, for the TV and um Maybe it's just my imagination. Like maybe that car is still going to be sitting there, nice and unharmed in the morning. But it remains to be seen. It remains to be seen. But there's fuck all I can do about it now because I'm sitting up side of a mountain, and it's absolutely pitch black. And even if I did go down and try and find it, which I'm not going to, I would never be able to find my tent again. And then I'd be sitting down in the car park, no car and no tent and no hat. But luckily enough, I've got my. Palestinian scarf around my head now, keeping me warm. But um, oh, but there's actually nothing else I can do about it right now. So I'm just gonna have a sip of wine and and I've actually got a nice wee picnic here. I've got um, so I've got the bottle of red wine that I got from Bradley's on North Main Street in Cork, and I've got um a big wedge of oak smoked goo bean cheese, which is from West Cork, and. I got that in on the pig's back along with some of these wee kind of cracker things that have cranberries in them and quince jelly which I didn't even know was a thing up until two weeks ago but turns out really nice to put on crackers and cheese together and uh, have it with some red wine so I'm going to do that now I've also got some um, Joe's Farm chips like three potato chips and beetroot chips and carrot chips and you can get them all separately or all mixed together I think the ones that I have now I don't know if you can see a wee bit of light there uh, the ones I have are I can't even see they're really nice anyway got them in Bradley's as well um So there we go. Some, I'll fill you in in the morning uh, whenever I walk back down to the car park and see if that wee car is still sitting there. If it is, happy days. And if it's not, then uh, I'm going to have to get a spin home from Man Falls. <laughs> and I'm glad it wasn't my car. Um, I'm sure we'll deal with that in the morning. We'll see what happens. I'm just sitting here thinking about the possibility of that car being gone and that uh, just got me kind of remembering a few stories from back in the day in Belfast and stuff about cars getting stolen and it was happening every day up there and th- there was a quite a big spike in antisocial behaviour in our areas 
around about 2000 certainly after 1998 anyway and I think the reason for that was that before the Good Friday Agreement uh, community policing was very much a thing and it still was to a very large degree after the Good Friday Agreement was signed but I suppose it was more visible and uh, much more uh, physical punishments for people who were doing things that were damaging to their own communities for example stealing cars and you can make a very strong case for antisocial behaviour like that being uh, the product of young people not having the opportunities in education and employment and also from a geographical point of view uh, that when you for example take West Belfast for, as an example it was really densely populated it still is very densely populated and people were just kind of squashed into a lot of the areas at the times that they were being built in um, it was kind of a form of ghettoization and antisocial behaviour comes on the back of that and really you can put addiction problems and drug problems in the, the same category uh, as stealing cars many respects so with that spike in uh, joyriding in Belfast after the Good Friday Agreement was signed see even before that it's something that I don't think that very many people are aware of when it comes to the life for ordinary people occupied six counties was that you see the RUC like and the UDR and all the other arms of the British government's establishment that were supposedly in charge of security in the section of Ireland that they occupied by force will we'll know that they weren't impartial and that they had uh, very heavy discrimination against people because of where they lived or if they were Catholic to uphold the discriminatory policies of the Stormont government which is a puppet of the Westminster government so we know that they weren't impartial and that they really wanted to keep that whole situation on the go the whole um, six counties being occupied and all but uh, an aspect of it that I don't think that very many people are aware of is that 
you see the RUC, like they actively encouraged people to be stealing cars in areas and people to be dealing hard drugs and stuff like that. For starters, because it was basically doing their job for them. It was causing damage to the communities that they also wanted to cause damage to. So they're effectively on the same side from that point of view. The other thing was that they could very easily turn them into informers, informants on people from the area because uh, you know how I just you know how I came to fit, to to learn about this kind of thing. But I suppose I kind of knew about it all along because it's just kind of like a part of your knowledge when you're growing up in a situation like that. It just part it's part of the. It's just part of the the thing that the things that you know. It's kind of like part of the street smarts, you know. But I remember me and my brother Kyra at the time were sleeping in bunk beds in the front room of our house. So looking out onto the street, and from our where we live, you can see uh, the Andy Town Road. And you can see the Finnicky Road, Finnicky Road North, and it's a pretty wide street. It's a pretty wide road, and it, it's got like like parts. Of the Andytown Road has four lanes in it, like so. It's wide enough, like just right in front of St Michael's Church, and it's a really common place to see stolen cars getting joyrided, and. You want to know what the biggest irony about that is? See the two two of the the biggest police stations in Belfast are like one mile either side of our house. So Woodburn Barracks was a mile if you come out of our house and turn right and Antitown Barracks was to come out of the house and turn left. And see about... Sorry, I know I'm going off on a side tangent here, but uh, see the thing about Antitown Barracks. I think I spoke about it on the podcast before. When Handytown Barracks got levelled and the, it was turned into rubble, and it was the last time that we had to deal with that absolute monstrosity in our area, flying Union Jack and all. I think, as I, as I was saying, I think I mentioned this in the podcast before, but I was working for Ashley and Gare at the time, it was just as a summer job. I was walking up the Fall Road, and my dad says to me, hey, You know, well, I'm thinking about organising a Cayley for that ground where the barracks was on, kind of reclaiming the ground. And we're walking up the road, we're walking up the Falls Road when he says this to me. And uh, I was like, oh, that sounds class. He's like, we'll get Eddie Keenan down and we'll get a Cayley uh, band and all, Marini Fruiter, and it'll be great crack. And, and this is like Thursday or something. And uh, he goes, I, when do you think about having it? I was like, he's like, Saturday. I was like, how are you going to organise it between now and then? He's like, well, I'm going up the road now. That's why we're walking up here. Is I'm going to ask a fella whose house was next door to the barracks. For all those years, Kama uses his house for electricity for the so we can plug the Healy band in and have the amp on. And uh, turned out it was class. Um, Eddie Keenan, who escaped from jail at a certain point in time, sang over on the vein on the... On the ground in the rubble of the Andy Town barracks and 
loads of people came out to dance. Uh, there was Kaylee Bam was there, and my inverter was calling the shots. And I had a, actually remember I had a red Che Guevara t-shirt on, a trolley that I stole from Curly's with loads of crisps and bottles of Seven Up and all. And we were just giving them out, and everybody came out from McInerney's pub and danced all around the Town Barracks, where it used to be, and reclaimed that land. Anyway, as I was saying there, the two of those barracks were within a mile of our house. And you couldn't get the cops to come out for love nor money. You see, if somebody was stealing your car and you called it and said, here, someone's literally stealing my car right now as I'm talking to you on the phone, they wouldn't even come out. They'd say, I will send someone around in the morning. And this could be like 10 o'clock at night, the night before. And like, there must have been hundreds of cops within two minute drive of our house or anybody else's house for that matter. And... I remember, anyway, as we're saying, like the Andy Town Road and the Finicky Road was a place where loads of joyriders would go all the time, especially in the summer months. I remember one or two summers there, like people were stealing cars, like they were going out of fashion. And, um, you know, we see a big line of them outside the Woodburn Barracks then the next day. <laughs> like if your car got stolen, that was the first place you went to see if it was sitting outside there. So, if that wee white car that I had earlier on to get here isn't there, could be sitting outside wherever the equivalent is of Woodburn Barracks around these places. Anyway, um, the joyriders we flying up and down the road there and just riding the absolute shit out of cars and then our street is actually a, a cul-de-sac and at the time... It was only we were the only family really living in this street because the rest of the people were quite elderly. So it was really quiet street and um there wasn't any cars on it because all the other people all the other people didn't have cars. And we had a car that sat outside the house for a while, for a good few years and we my mum ended ended up having to park a car down the road at a friend's house and have to go down to his house and around the back of his house to take the car out every time she wanted to go for a spin because there was it would definitely would have too big of a chance that it would have got stolen outside our house which it would have at the time but um because our street was a cul-de-sac which it still is a cul-de-sac um the funny enough i heard the reason our street is a cul-de-sac is because the british army opened up the biggest barracks in the north around the corner silver city and that they wanted to limit the amount of access roads up to the barracks so that they could have control of who was coming and going and probably less chance of it being attacked and stuff and that our street got t- turned into a cul-de-sac because of that. So I don't know if that's 100% true. So anybody who knows about that or who knows that somebody might know, sure, um, get in touch anyway, let me know. And uh, the thing about our street being really quiet is that the hoods would always come around after they were finished with cars and burn them in our street or even just sit there and um, come and sit there at night time and stuff for a few nights and then burn it on the next night. So this particular summer, like it must have been 1999 or something or 98 maybe, 98, 99 and the joyriding was through the roof and me and Carver would, would always wake up in the middle of the night if there was something happening. Like, we become really sensitive to people outside in the street at night time. And um, 
if you could hear car doors opening or uh, footsteps outside your house, which I, I became really sensitive to it. I think car was exactly the same. If you heard a car screeching or anything at night time, we would be straight up out of bed. He was on the bottom bunk and I was on the top bunk. And if we heard any bit of noise outside with cars screeching or whatever, we'd be down at, at the blinds looking out to see what was happening. And it happened on a really regular basis. Like, just see mental stuff like people stealing cars or setting cars on fire or fighting with each other and stuff. Like, I seen a fella one day outside our house that had this wee kind of cream-coloured Ford Fiesta and he jumped out of the car and he put his head through all the windows, his own head through all the windows in the car and then the next, see the next day the car was driving around still with all the windows boarded up I seen that fella putting his head through the window and uh, so something happened this one night this car was flying up and down the Andytown road so we jumped down to have a look out the window see to have a look at it and uh, the next thing it came round in the R street at the cul-de-sac and the uh, the lads who had the stolen car were sitting in it and then the next thing all the cops came down and like I suppose if you're not from Belfast you might you might not um ever have like seen this happening before but the way that the cops used to go around in Belfast at the time was they would always be accompanied by the army so it could be one or two RUC jeeps they did big bulletproof jeeps and then they would be kind of like na- um, or, no like that blue colour the camouflage, camouflage blue and then the army would be going around behind them and if there's two cops of two jeeps of cops it would be like it could be three or four jeeps of the army going around behind them at times and uh, those were the kind of khaki green ones with the red writing on the side like crime stoppers phone number or something like that there and uh the, the top would be of them would be opened so there would be soldiers standing up on a bench inside the jeep you know, sticking their head and shoulders up over the edges with the guns at the sides but anyway this one night this car was that was flying up and down the road came into our street and the lads were sitting there and the next thing the cops came down with the army and you know like at the time the only experience that I would have ever had with a cop would have been really negative and formal and everything and you know, like they'd be trying to tell you what to do or something like that and when the army and the cops came down this night they all jumped out of the jeep as if they were friends with the fellas in the car and I think that they were friends because the cops all like had their hats off and their jackets off and all they were sitting there and the army lads had their fucking hats off and their helmets off as well and they were all having a smoke together with these fellas that were in this stolen car that was driving up and down the road uh, doing donuts and all at four o'clock in the morning and the next thing they're sitting around in our street having a smoke with the cops and um. I just remember sitting there looking like and thinking to myself and I was only about 14 or 15 at the time looking at the window and being like that's a really unusual social situation that's happening there because 
cops are never friendly to people around these parts and those fellas are from around these streets and how come the cops are being so nice to them and the army as well because you would have just thought that they should have got arrested for stealing the car and stuff like that but this was really the opposite so I remember asking people about it and the answer that I got was fairly straightforward was that the cops it was to the cops advantage to have people like that in our communities stealing the cars and stuff like that there but also uh, the thing about the informers like they could just say to one of those fellas who's in that car being like here can you tell us like they're like we've got you for stealing this car and probably for having a wee bit of weed or whatever and they would say but we'll let you off the hook if you tell us where such and such is working or whatever and it's just a small bit of information and then the person goes and finds out and gives it to the cops just to get themselves off the hook and then you, your man goes right that's it me sort of then see you later lads and the cops are like no if you don't tell us the next thing we'll tell the person that you were telling on the first time that you told us and then you'll be in even bigger trouble and basically what was happening was that they were creating informants within the communities like that would be going around gathering information about people that the cops were interested in f- finding out more about and stuff which was it's, it's kind of like an unusual perspective on what was happening because I remember another night all these fellas obviously hated the cops and probably wouldn't have been having anything to do with them except for the fact that they were trying to get themselves off the hook but there was this other night at like about 5 o'clock in the morning this car was going mental I'm sure Carver remembers this as well but there was a couple actually there was a couple of cars going around that night and uh me and Carbara and our dad would walk out of the house to see what was happening and we walked from our street up to the Andytown Road and the 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 couple of cars were going around the cops were chasing them in a Land Rover and you see those Land Rovers like they're, they're so top heavy you ever see one going around around about it looks like it's going to tip over but see when they're going fast and they're trying to take corners and all it 100% looks like they're going to tip over so this was happening and then the next thing the stolen car went upside down <laughs> on the street <laughs> I was coming down Sleep on Drive which is kind of a steep enough hill immersion uh, onto the Andytown Road and um, it flipped upside down and it was basically lying in the middle of the road on its head and the cops were there as well because the cops had been chasing it and the next thing like loads of people appeared like there was dozens of people in that um, junction with the sleep on drive and the Shurstown or the Anytown Road and um, everyone started throwing bottles and all the cops and shouting at them and then the next thing the tow truck came along and attached some um chains and stuff to the car that was upside down and like all the windows were smashed as well and they towed the car upside down 
of the Woodburn barracks and the sparks were flying out of it and there was people were firing bottles at the cops and shouting at them and this was about five o'clock in the morning like a wee while before this we were just sleeping in bed and um sure enough that car was sitting upside down outside Woodburn barracks the next day <laughs> like a burnt day crisp What's oh, a crack, lads? I don't know if he's ever just on a really clear night light looking up the sky somewhere where there's no light pollution when you can't see the city lights and stuff like that or the city lights don't get in the way of the view. It's absolutely unbelievable up here. I'm just sitting with the, f- the hips inside the tent and the rest of myself outside the tent so I can see it's mind boggling how absolutely miniature we are as I've been lying here I've been eating this thing that I actually completely forgot that I had and I didn't mention it when I was talking about the nice food that I brought up here earlier on but I found a vegan Snickers bar from my goodness and it was like Christmas when I found it. So if that car is gone tomorrow morning I'm glad that the vegan Snickers bar wasn't in it. But also if you go into my goodness and ask them for any other food at the times whenever they're open to serve food and take it away and eat it it'll definitely help ease any problems that you're having and I can highly recommend the vegan Snickers bar good for quelling thoughts of like thinking whenever your car is gone you're going to be stuck up here what's crack lads it's me again Um, it's getting bright outside again so I'm going to Go outside and see if that car is there. Come on with me. We're in it together now. Thought it'd be grand if we could do the unveiling. Nikayla. Actually, might not even be bright enough to see it, but we'll try. Actually, can't see a thing. Uh, it's about half four in the morning. Um, here these days bit windy as you might be able to hear through the microphone and very fresh there's a cool kind of clouds hanging up over the hanging down over the ridges and it's a bit windy but it sounds way windier when you're inside the tent I think I'm going to make a bowl of porridge crack lads it's me again so good news is looks like the car is still there I just packed up the tent and all and um, it's about quarter to six in the morning now so welcome back down it's pretty windy this is a class spot so it is should have seen the stars last night 
through metal. There's very nice vibes around here right now, actually. There's nobody around. And you can hear the birds not going. But uh, I'll try and string this. I'll try and string this podcast together for you later on. 